have a great time. Hallelujah. Well, welcome everybody and welcome to all you that are joining us online. You know those roads got, were a little bit slippier than predicted this morning. And so just take care as you're on your way home. Angels go with you. And those of you who are home today because of the weather, we say welcome. Join right in here as we continue on in our series that we started on last week on the laws of God. We were introducing this last week talking about the kingdom of God. And, uh, you know, I completely understand that when you do a title with the laws of God, if you were to put this in a lineup with like, oh, the blessings of God or how to have the faith of God or or uh, how to be healed, or how to, how to have victory. I know that this is probably the last one people would click on, and that's really sad, and the reason why is because people don't understand what God's laws actually are. And last week we were talking about most people's opinion of laws are that they're there to constrain us. The laws of even just the nation were not there to, to constrain the population. They were meant to allow it to flourish. And now I can't say that that's the intention that politicians have today, but that's what laws are meant to do. They're meant to put restrict gu guidelines around a society so that it can grow and it can be prosperous and it can flourish. And I believe as Pastor Wendy was praying, this nation shall flourish in the word of God, that he shall have dominion from sea to sea. I don't want to align my voice with all those Christians out there that are speaking death and cursing, saying, oh, the government's so bad. Yes, naturally, but I'm going to speak words of life. I'm going to speak words of peace, that there will be righteous counsel, as Pastor Wendy was praying this morning, in, that, in their ears, that they are drawn. You know, if you think that there, there was that one king that hired a, a prophet to curse the nation of Israel, and every time he tried to, blessing came out. You don't think that God can't do the same thing when people walk into the office with yes. ungodly intentions, and as they open their mouth to speak, righteousness comes out? If he can use a donkey, surely he can use a person. And so we're talking about the laws of God. We need to understand them because they're not meant to restrict you. They're meant to set you free to flourish. And as Jesus came, he said, you know, after John the Baptist had died, it said, the time is at hand. We must preach the kingdom. The kingdom is at hand. And so Jesus came to declare and to establish the kingdom of God. And his kingdom is the highest kingdom. As we were talking about last weekend, every other nation, every other tongue, and all people are in subjection to the king of kings. If you're looking for the highest authority, it's Jesus. You know, you could say, well, what about God? Isn't God the Father? No, it says that God has given Jesus the name that is above every name. God had no problem taking Jesus and putting him to the forefront and saying, he is at the top. And so Jesus came to declare and to establish the kingdom of God. And we have to understand that at the death, the burial, and the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus, it changed everything. God didn't change, but the parameters of the covenant that we stand under did. 
It changed. Everything changed. And, you know, I often hear people say the death, the burial, and the resurrection. It's very important that we put the ascension in there because there are things about the ascension that are pivotal to your understanding of a new creation reality. It says that God raised him up and made him to sit at his right hand in heavenly places. And it says that he raised you up also to sit together with him. If it were not for the ascension and where Jesus is sitting now, you wouldn't be seated in heavenly places. Come on. You have to understand the new creation realities because at the new birth, everything changed in you and for you. There was a dynamic shift between what you were and what you are now because of Christ Jesus and the new birth. And so last week, we mentioned briefly that Jesus had a conversation in John chapter 3 with Nicodemus the Pharisee, who came to him at night because he didn't want anybody else to see. And sometimes I feel like Christians are a lot like Nicodemus. They'll have fun at church, but don't you dare ask them to talk about God outside the church walls. They don't want anybody to know. Leave me alone. Don't put the focus on me. No, we need to be a light to this dying world. We need to be just as fired up out there as we are in here. We take it with us. You know, when I was in school, um, we took, would take all these trips to all these big churches to see how they do things. And we were at this one Baptist church. It was a huge church, probably sat about 8,000 people. And it's up on a hill. And as you're, you're go, you go in, the beautiful facility, but on the way out, they have this sign. It says, church is over. Now the real work of Christendom starts. Meaning it's not always what's going on in here, it's what's going on out there. You taking the light to them. Yes. And so Nicodemus came at night, and Jesus is having this conversation with him. In John chapter 3, verse 3 is where we'll pick it up. And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. When we're talking about kingdom realities and kingdom laws, therefore kingdom people who have been born again. And Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered and said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter. Enter the kingdom of God. Now, a few weeks ago, John asked me about this verse here because when we generally when you see water mentioned in the Bible, it's a type and shadow of the Holy Spirit. Here it is not. When you talk about water, it's talking about natural birth. When a woman goes into labor, generally her water breaks. Jesus is not talking about two spiritual births here. He's talking about your natural birth, which you've all gone through. How do we know? You're sitting here today. You've been born of the natural, but you must also be born of the spirit to enter the kingdom of God. And this next verse is so important, so important. So get your listening ears on. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. We have to understand that the reference point of your dominant part of your being has changed. 
That which is born of flesh was flesh. Well, I'm not just born of flesh anymore. That which is born of spirit is spirit. I am a spirit. I have a soul, and I live in a body. This natural world is no longer my reference point. Kingdom of heaven is. I am a new creation being. I have been born of the spirit. And so we, that's very important that we understand as we move forward in the laws of God. Your reference point has changed. You know, think about it this way. You were working at a job at a terrible company, and everything they did was wrong from start to finish. The company's failing, it's going under, and you get a new job with a company that is the best of the best of the best. Seems like everything they touch just turns to gold. They're hitting it out of the park, and you come in, and you want to work like you did at the company that was going under and dying. It's going to demand a shift of thinking. Why? Because the way they thought got them where they were going. And this new company thinks different. And this company is saying, we're going to exceed this quarter. And you're thinking, I don't even know how I'm going to get this one aspect of my job done. No, there's a reference point has been changed. You're not in the dying company anymore. You're not in the failing company anymore. You've stepped over, and you're rubbing shoulders with the best of the best. You're rubbing shoulders with heaven. Your reference point has changed, which means it demands a change in a thinking. It demands a change in how we approach what we do. We are not like we used to be. And Jesus says this, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Highlighted there, must. It's so sad that I have to say that in this day and age. We're all Christians in here, right? Not everybody in this world are sons and daughters of God. Not everyone is going to heaven. And for me to be hearing from multiple different people who profess to be Christians saying, oh, we're all just taking different journeys. No, there's only one way. Only one way. Jesus couldn't be more clear. You must be born again. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's great, Pastor Jordan. I'm born again. That's great. There's people out there that are not. And we have to go to them. We have to tell them about the goodness of Jesus. We need to tell them. Come on. You must be born again. They're not going where you're going. They've not gone from flesh to spirit. They've not made that step. And when this time is over, they're not going to heaven. There needs to be an urgency that begins to get inside of us as Christians to reach the lost. Jude said, save some by snatching them out of the very flames of hell. Maybe they're stepping off and this is their last day and you're the last person that gets an opportunity to talk to them. They gotta be born again. We need to take those opportunities. We need to have that holy boldness rise up on the inside of us. Go tell someone. Come on. They must be born again. Not everyone is. Not everyone is sons and daughters of God. We may have been made in his image, but he said to as many as believed in me, to them I gave the power to become sons and daughters of God. We need to let heaven be seen here on earth. As Jesus prayed, he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
The reference point is heaven. The reference point is the things of the spirit, and we need to let, become funnels and let them be released here on earth. Now, we read last week in Luke chapter 17 when the Pharisees asked Jesus, they said this, when, they, he was asked by Jesus when the kingdom of God would come. And he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God has come to this earth, it's in you. Jesus got in the inside of you. He sat down at the right hand of the Father, and all of that is now in you. Everywhere you go, I love what Joe Morris used to say, you're not, you've heard about mobile homes, you're a mobile throne. Wherever you go, the throne of God goes. Heaven is right there for you to release into this atmosphere. Everywhere you go, we should be so conscious of the things of the Spirit that the atmosphere just begins to shift when we get in. Where it could have been riotous and a lot of commotion going on, but as we come in, there's just an atmosphere of peace rolls in us. People just begin to like, ah. What's that? What's different? You. You're different. You brought an atmosphere with you, and it was the kingdom of heaven. But he says, for indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. And so I should probably make this statement. When we talk about the things of the kingdom or the kingdom of God, there is theology out there that people preach saying it's called kingdom now theology. And what they mean is that they think that the physical kingdom of God has come to this earth. And that it is the job of the church to take over every government, to take over all structures of the earth, and rule. No, that's not the time. We are not living in the millennial reign of Christ because Jesus hasn't returned yet. And I, it's, I align it with things like Christian militism. It's not your job. Say it again. It's not your job to make everybody else bow their knee. And to be the one in power. It's your job to lead them to the one in whom every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess. And so when we're talking about the kingdom of God, we're not talking about that. Jesus is coming back. And he will set up his physical kingdom. Right now, Jesus said the kingdom of God is in you. And we need to be mindful of that. The kingdom is in me. Now, we said last week... Now, if we look back to the beginning, when God created, he created this planet, but he planted a garden. He created the whole planet, and then he made a garden, and he put Adam and Eve in there, and he said to them in Genesis 1.29, I believe it was verse 29, he said, see, I give you every seed. I give you every herb-bearing seed. I give you every seed that gives you fruits and vegetables. Do what you want with it. He gave Adam and Eve the freedom to take what they liked about the garden and take it to the rest of the earth. That was their job. Now, when God put his kingdom inside of you, it was so that you could take it out and drop those seeds in every area of your life. Every aspect, your family, your job, your finances, your health, the kingdom of God is within you. Take the seeds and plant it. 
Jesus said, what are we going to liken the kingdom to? It's like one who's got a mustard seed, and they plant it into the ground, and it becomes one of the greatest trees where the birds can come and make their nests in it. The kingdom of God was meant for you to take and you to plant so that it can grow and thrive everywhere. You know, if we don't like what we're seeing here on, in our lives or seeing in Christianity worldwide, it's not a reflection of God. It's a reflection of us. Because he said, go, plant, and see growth. So the kingdom of God is within you, and every kingdom has its laws. And those laws were meant to make you thrive. And so I said, as we ended last week, that the first law that we're going to cover today, this, in this week, the first one we want to address is this one. In Romans chapter 8, verse 2, it says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of, the, of sin and death. And when immediately when we talk about laws, most people think, okay, we've got the Ten Commandments, we've got the 600 other commandments out there. Those aren't God's laws. God's laws are spirit of life in Christ Jesus. When Jesus got on the inside of you, life began to flow. And it, began, it will flow to every area that you will let it get involved in. It's the law. It's the law of the spirit of life. The life begins to flow in every area that you will allow it to go. Now, this year for Christmas, I treated myself to a, a brand new study Bible because I was finding that I was constantly reading on my tablet or reading on my phone or reading on my computer. And it was like my eyes were just like so tired by the end of the day. I'm like, I'm going to get myself a physical Bible. And it has been so great to be able to sit down and flip pages again instead of swiping. And I, I love this, book, this new Bible because there's so many not, uh, pictures and maps and notations. And when it talks about the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, here's what the notation had underneath it. And I love it. It says, the spirit refers to the Holy Spirit who energizes our renewed spirit. Come on, how can we be tired? How can we be bored in church? The Holy Spirit energizes our renewed spirit. He speaks life to it. And if we jump down a few verses in Romans chapter 8, Paul says this. He says, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. That's that reference point change. What is flesh is flesh. What is spirit is spirit. Paul says, you're not in the flesh. But in the spirit. And you can say, well, I got a body. Yeah, but it's, it's supposed to be in subjection to you. Paul said, I keep my body under. I bring it under subjection, lest that I, once I've preached, I become discredited. He said, I keep it under. I push it down. Who's the I he's talking about? The spirit man, Paul. He says, you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. If indeed, when you received him in, he got inside. When you asked for the Holy Spirit, he came. It says, now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he's not his. He's not his. But you're not in the flesh. You're in the Spirit. Here's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. He says, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. 
We don't know anyone again after the flesh. Even though we've known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus way no longer. Paul's saying there's people still alive right now that knew Jesus when he was on this earth in the physical. And he's saying that's not how we look at people anymore. That's not even how we look at Christ. Christ was the firstborn from among the dead. He's now alive unto Christ. And so that's the way we regard him, and that's the way we regard ourselves. I'm not just biding my time here on this earth. I've been planted here to thrive in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free. So we don't, we don't even know Jesus that way any longer. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That reference point has changed. Back to chapter 8, though, in Romans. He says, and if Christ is in you, the body's dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Who's at the wheel of your life? If you want to follow after the things, when they talk about body, he's referring to the natural world, the natural things. If they demand all of your attention, if they demand all of your respect, if, they, if that's what you draw all of your wisdom from, it's not going somewhere you want to go. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. And the righteousness of God is in you because of Christ Jesus. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised up Christ from the dead will also give life. Give life. Give life. Say it with me. Give life. Give life to my mortal body through his spirit who dwells in me. Why? Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is at work in me because that's the kingdom of which I belong. So think about this. How, how does Paul refer to Christians? He refers to them as ambassadors of Christ to this world. Simple question. Which country is the ambassador from? The country that sent him or the country that he works in? Sent. Wasn't a trick question. Which one does he belong to? The one that sent him. If you're an ambassador here, which country have you been sent from? Heaven. The things of the spirit. The kingdom of God. Now, when an ambassador is at work, what law is he bound to? The country that sent him. He has diplomatic immunity in the country that he works in. And so if you want to say, these laws of this earth bind me and I'm constrained by them, no, the laws of heaven bind you. They are your constraints. That's the kingdom that you represent. When you got off the bus and said, I'm here to serve God and work as an ambassador and I'm going to take from his kingdom, it supports me. It's what I draw from, not this earth. I'm just spending some time here to show you how it's supposed to be. I'm here to represent the one who sent me. And he said, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through his spirit which dwells in you. So what is that meaning? What's he saying? That there should be a flow of life 
from the kingdom of heaven even into the natural areas of your life. And when your body's starting to feel worn out and, and burnt out and, wear, and worn down, there should be a flow of life when I turn my attention back to the kingdom, when I turn my attention back to Jesus, when I turn my attention to his laws and his dictates for me, my body begins to come alive. That when I started this service today, I was up in my office going, I am tired. I danced in practice, and I was like, I'm out of shape. I'm tired. But you know, as soon as we started singing again, life began to flow back. As soon as I open up the word of God, life begins to flow, that my body is rejuvenated, and there is life flow into it because I am bound to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And that law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, it's made me free from the law of sin and death. Death may have entered into the world when Adam screwed up, but life entered your body when Jesus got in. And I'm not bound to the law of sin. I'm not bound to the law of death. I'm bound to the law of the spirit of life. Now, when Paul talks about the law of sin and death here, he's talking about how the, man, the old man of you was dead because of Adam. And he talks about the law of sin. He's talking about the Ten Commandments. He's talking about the Mosaic Covenant. You have been freed from that. And in order to understand the context of Romans chapter 8, this is a conversation he's been having with them since chapter 3. And we don't have time to cover chapter 3 through chapter 8. So I encourage you, go home and read 3 through 8 in Romans so that you understand the whole context. It starts off with saying, we have been justified by faith. Paul says in chapter 5, he says, by faith we have an introduction and have access into the grace in which we stand. And so he's talking about that reference point change. But I want to pick it up here in Romans chapter 6. In Romans chapter 6, Paul asks a question to them. Just a reminder, he says here in 8.2, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free. Say free. Free. From the law of sin and death. In chapter 6, he starts with a question. He says, what should we say then because of this great grace and faith thing that we know about? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. So should I sin so that I can have more grace? Certainly not. And why? Not because it'd be a bad thing, and it is a bad thing. I don't, I don't stay away from sin because it's bad. I stay away from sin because how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? I'm not bound by it. So how can I live in it? You know, I, I love how God brings the right things to you right when you need them. And this morning as I was getting ready and I was scrolling through my phone, I came across a post and it was Marilyn Hickey talking about how she was being harassed on a plane one time by a guy. And uh, he sat down beside her and the guy goes, ooh, I like redheads. And she was kind of like, first she was like, I'm going to smack him. <laughs> and uh, she was, was polite with him. And uh, he said, so, so uh, what, do you, what do you do? She's like, well, my pastor's a husband. And the guy's like, oh, oh, so my, my husband's a pastor. <laughs> my husband's a pastor. And he goes, oh. 
He's like, so, uh, so you don't get to drink then? And she said, no, I drink as much as I want to. He's like, huh? And it just, as you can see, his mind was just like spiraling out. And he's like, well, you don't smoke then, do you? She's like, no, I smoke as much as I want to. He's like, you, you don't sleep around. She's like, I sleep around as much as I want to. And he's like, well, what does your husband think about that? He does it just as much as he wants to as well. And she, he's like, lady, I'm so confused. She's like, my want to went out the window a long time ago. What I want is Jesus. What I draw from is Jesus. I can do it as much as I want to, and I don't want to, because the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free. If you want to get rid of your want to, you're trying to curb some habits out of your life, don't worry about trying not to do it. Worry about Jesus and the want to begins to go because I've been set free. And it says, he who sows in Galatians chapter 6, 8, that he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. This is the principle of seed time and harvest. What do you want to see in your life? Sow to it. If you're wanting to move away from some things, go ahead and start planting some new things. Come on. He who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. He says, or do you not know that as many of us as were, were baptized into Christ meaning not all of us were baptized into Christ, as many of us were. They were baptized into Jesus' death, or they were immersed into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now, Paul is someone who is very intentional in his words. So much so, he's known for creating new Greek words that didn't exist. He would just take two. He's like, it's not this one fully, and it's not this one fully. Ah, let's shove them together and give them a new meaning. That's how intentional Paul was with his words. And so he didn't say that you will walk in newness of life. He said you should walk in newness of life because whatever you choose to sow to, you're going to keep getting a harvest from. If you want to see newness of life, start sowing to the law of the spirit of life, which has made you free from the law of sin and death. He says, for if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, Certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Now that word united together is worth noting because it's the word sumphudos. And the, the expression which occurs here is the only time you see it in the New Testament. Only time it's used. And it means to grow in union and to plant in union. The word describes two plants that have been planted together and are growing closely entwined or even united. And our union with Christ is now a loving union in which we are growing with him in the likeness of his resurrection. 
Just think of the, about you and, your, and him becoming so entwined that it's like, how do we get them apart? You can't. We've just been growing together. The more I spend time with him, I just grow together more and more twined. As he is, I begin to just act just like him, talk just like him, live just like him, to be, show love just like him. We're so closely entwined, you can't separate us. We've been united together. It says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe we'll also live with him. That's a good belief to have. That's a good confession to have. I'm dead, and I believe I live with him. I'm so united with him that everywhere I look, that's who I find. I find him everywhere I go. I live in his kingdom, knowing that Christ Having been raised from the dead, he dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. It doesn't rule over him. What did we say about God? He shall have dominion from sea to sea in this country, and he'll have dominion over me. He'll have dominion in me. He gets all dominion. He gets all glory. He's the king of kings. And death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. It only needed once. The death was only one that was needed. But the life he lives, he lives to God. And that's a weird way of saying it, but what he's meaning is it's a continual life lived together. It's continual. The death may have been once, but the life you live is eternal forever never ending never ending on and on and on and on forever 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 for all eternity i am bound by the law of the spirit of life in christ jesus so likewise you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin but alive to God. Reckon is an accounting term. It means to do the math, add it up, look on which side of the ledger it's leaning, and death is gone. You reckon yourself to be alive. Go ahead and say, I'm alive. I'm alive, I'm alive to God. Alive. I am alive in Christ Jesus. Now, we could finish more. He has more great things to say in Romans chapter 6. But in chapter 7, Paul gives us an example of what he's talking about and a picture to look at so that we can understand. Just like Jesus would. He'd tell a story. He'd do a parable. Paul gives us an example of what all of this means. So chapter 7, verse 1 says, Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, and so the people he's writing to the Roman, in Rome are the Jewish uh, believers there. He's like, they're very acquainted with the law. I know you guys understand it, so I'm going to show you what's happened to the law. He says that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. And here's the example he uses. For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she's released from the law of her husband. We all understand that, right? Marriage is a covenant where two come together. If one's dead, the covenant has been annulled. There's no power in it anymore. So then, if while the husband lives, while he's still alive, 
If she marries another man, she'll be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she's free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she's married another man. So what is Paul saying in all of this? Well, I'm so glad that therefore means because of that, here's what's going on. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ that you may be married to another. And he tells you who you're to be married to. To him who was raised from the dead that we should bear fruit to God. You're dead and your life is hidden, Christ. When you died, your pa- the power of the law was lost. Because when they die, the law has no more power. And because it has no power, you can now be united to Christ. And so back to chapter 6, Paul says again, Likewise, reckon yourself to be dead, indeed to sin, but alive to God. Wake up in the morning. I'm alive. I'm so glad I'm alive in the love and the life of God. I am alive. Life is flowing through every part of my body. It's flowing into my mind. My emotions are changing. My stubborn will is yielding. I am alive unto God, and he is energizing me from the inside out. It's touching every part. So therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive, as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not have dominion over you. It won't have dominion over me. It won't have dominion over you. For you're not under that law anymore. You're under grace. So he asks the question again, what then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? Certainly not. Why? Because I'm not bound to the law. It's lost its power over me. Verse 22 says, But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. Why? Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is working in me. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Chapter 8, verse 1 starts off then saying, there, there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The condemnation of sin is gone. I'm not subject to it. I'm subject to the life of God. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. The law is weak. Want to know something that God's not? Weak. And so his life is ever stronger than sin ever will be. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin He condemned sin in the flesh. He's already ruled over it. He's made his judgment over it that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us 
who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So what do we do? How do we live? Well, it's really easy, Paul tells us. For those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, they set them on the things of the Spirit. So how do you draw from the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus? Talk about it. Focus on it. Focus on the things of God. Life is flowing in my body. How could sickness stay on me? There is life in every aspect of my flesh. From the top of my head down to the soles of my feet, there's life. There's life in my business. Clients just continue flowing in one after another after another. They're drawn to it because the things that are alive, they flourish. They grow. Life has hit my body. This church is alive in the love of God. This church is alive in the spirit of life that Christ Jesus has brought to us. Every area of our lives, we speak life because that's the law on which I live. We get a hold of this little tongue. That James says can set the world on fire. If it can set it on fire, it can also bring life. The life of the law that I've been bound to. So I don't set my mind on natural things. That doesn't mean we don't have jobs to go to. We don't have families to raise. But when it comes to things within them, I speak life over them. I speak God's word over them. Think I'm going to lose my job? No, I'm not. This job will be here until I need to go somewhere else. Come on. Well, I just don't know what I'm going to do now. You know exactly what you're going to do. You're going to have life. And I'll leave you with this last verse. Romans 8, 6 says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and so, Father, I thank you that I can have peace in all things, that life can flow to me because I'm bound to your law, God. I've stepped from one kingdom into your kingdom. I thank you that I am governed by your laws and I'm happy to live within their parameters because they will rise me higher than anything that I could ever imagine in this natural world, that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I thank you, Lord. Death has no dominion over me. Hallelujah. Yes, life flows in every part of me. The life of God, the very life of God, the very life of God's alive in me. Yes, I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive. Yes. Jesus, I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive. Oh, the life of God flows in me. Yes, it quickens me, it quickens me. I've got the life of God in me. Hallelujah. Well, if you need somebody to pray with you this morning and impart the life of God over you to stir you up even more, our word care team is going to be up here in just a minute. They would love to pray with you and believe with you and agree with you and have a great time in the life of God with you. Hallelujah. Well, Pastor Robin, bring us in for a landing. Well, glory.
We are going to give you opportunity to sow into this kingdom of God, the kingdom of spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Amen? Uh, consider this. When you sow seed into the kingdom of God, you're not paying a price to be part of the kingdom. You're investing in that kingdom.